When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Now, broadcasting from the pulpit of sports radio in Boston, it's Sunday Mass with Christian Arcan on WEEI. Final hour here of the Sunday Mass. Reverend Arkan with you, taking you up until 1 o'clock. And then after that, it's my guys, Mike Cadlick and John Lyons, who will be with you from 1 until 4. And I believe from 4 until 6, we got KJ, right? Is that right? Uh, later on tonight. Are we carrying the Pro Bowl, by the way? Uh, let me check. Because, I mean, like you need more incentive to listen than that. You may. I, we were not carrying the Pro Bowl. No, I don't think. Is that tonight? Uh, yes. No, I don't think so. It's like a flag football game. Wouldn't that be sad? <laughs> Coming up next. I know. I get the Pro Bowl starts at 3 o'clock. Anyway, what am I talking about? Uh, the Pro Bowl will be long over by the time KJ's done at uh, 6 o'clock. It's tough. Tough to counter program against flag football. Uh, but uh, they'll be very good, I'm sure. Uh, all, all those guys. Love uh, Cadley. John Lyons is tremendous. I'm a big fan of KJ. Uh, keep it right here on EEI for uh, the rest of the afternoon, for sure. Anyways, uh, I wanted to get to uh, some thoughts about the Patriots and their offseason targets. Alex Van Pelt, his first time calling plays. Uh, Josh McDaniels not being in the mix. I thought there was a chance he was coming back. We'll get to all of those topics in just a minute. But first, let's go to the phones. A lot of you waiting patiently here, like our friend uh, Scott in Bill Ricca. Go ahead, Scott. Scott. Hey, oh, there doing? he is. Hey, Scott. I'm actually in Framingham. He didn't ask me where I was from. Oh, okay. It popped up as Bill Ricca. But anyway, what's uh, what's on your mind, Scott? Yeah, no worries. Hey, Arkan, real quick. Mm-hmm. Um Love you on the uh, on the um, afternoon show, Thank but you. can't stand Jones. I love it when it's just you and Mego. Can you get Jones out of there? Any chance? I'm working on it. I'm, I, honestly, I'm working on getting them both out of there. It would just be me in the afternoon. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. I would still listen to anyone but Jones. Anyway, okay. um, Celtics, real quick. Uh, I really would like them to make one more addition for the uh, trade deadline, and I'm hoping they can get like maybe a buyout guy. The guy I'd like to see them get, Andre Drummond, maybe buy him out. Toughness. An, uh, an upgrade over Cornette, um, guy that can just get rebounds. What do you think about that? Well, Andre Drummond is someone, thank you for the call, Scott, that I've uh, thought about and who I targeted years ago. I mean, I, I got in a big fight with a lot of Celtics fans when I wanted to trade Gordon Hayward for Andre Drummond, and that was, when was Gordon Hayward here, 27? That was like five, six years ago? <laughs> it was a while ago. <laughs> so, I mean, this is, a, this is a drum that I had been beating for a while, no pun intended here with uh, with Drummond, but... You know, at this point, what is he, 30? I guess he's not ancient, but he has kind of deteriorated over time. He's not really uh, someone that I feel is reliable like he like he used to be. And even when he was reliable, he kind of wasn't. 
He's a tough watch on defense. He's a great rebounder. He can still get rebounds. Um, but there was a time when he was like league leading in rebounds, and now he's just kind of there floating around on that Bulls team, which, ugh. Man, the Bulls are a mess, huh? Levine's out for the year. Uh, that team, they, I mean, they, I think they lost last night to uh, Sacramento. But, yeah, it's a, it's a team the Celtics are going to be seeing pretty soon here. But um, I don't know. Is that someone I'd, I'd trade for? Maybe like on a on a buyout if he's available? I'd take a flyer, sure. I mean, I don't think, that, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. But more than uh, another big, I know he'd be an improvement over Cornette, but more than another big, what I'd like to see this team target, if they're going to target anything at this trade deadline, is real wings, you know, real wings that you can bring in who aren't Sam Hauser. And listen, Hauser's fine. But someone who's not just kind of like a specialist, someone who's just out there kind of shooting. And I know that Hauser plays decent defense and whatever, but he's mostly out there shooting. Can you bring in a wing who's just a little bit more multifaceted, someone who can really give those guys a spell when they when they need it or who could maybe step in when one of them's having a bad game? I just feel like you don't have that. You don't have that in the wings, uh, literally at wing. On this team and the bench, I mean, you know, the bench is Peyton Pritchard, Luke Cornett, Sam Hauser, and a bunch of guys who play, you know, once every couple weeks. And it's just, is that enough? When you have a stack starting five, you don't really worry about the bench. But when you start losing games like this and and showing some real weakness, then you have to start thinking about it. And I do think that they could upgrade the bench for sure. Uh, Ethan is in Philadelphia. Go ahead, Ethan. Hey, long time, first time. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Ethan. What's up? So I want to put on the tinfoil hat for a second. I have some thoughts, and I'm starting to think that LeBron James, Theo Epstein, and the Red Sox, it's this love triangle, right? We're talking a love triangle, huh? Did you just hang up on him? No, I didn't, I didn't hang up I, on him. I didn't hang up on him. I did not hang up on Ethan. I love a good conspiracy theory. Oh, we'll get Ethan back in here. The love triangle thing was a little, uh, I don't know I don't how know it's a love triangle. Going with that. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it sounds pretty hot, but that's <laughs> LeBron James, LeBron, Theo, and I don't know who else, but yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, LeBron is an investor in Fenway Sports Group, and by the way, and this is just something that sort of popped up when I first read the, uh, and I should have asked McAdam about this, but when I first read the press release about Theo coming back, they mentioned that he's part of this like private equity firm that already owns a stake in Fenway Sports Group. Like <laughs> he's part of a. He's part of a, a, I think it's a private equity firm, but whatever it is, he's around. Like, he, you know, it's not like he had, they had to go very far to find him. He already has a stake in Fenway Sports Group. Now he has a bigger one, obviously, and he's on a path to ownership, and we discussed that and everything. But people are acting like he just came back out of nowhere. He's been a part of Fenway Sports Group. I don't know exactly when that happened. I don't know exactly when uh, his group bought in. And I forget what the name of the group's called. It's got a funny name. But um, he uh, he's been here, so... Just, you know, like, he was here when they let, when they didn't go after Otani, and I don't know if he was here when they let, when they traded Mookie Betts, but like, you know, if he was, would would that have made a difference? With him as the owner now, if he was a minority owner back then, would he have talked him out of trading Mookie Betts, the 25-year-old MVP who was, won a World Series with, like, you know, like, that was such a, that was such a flagrant decision. That was just one of those things where everybody looked at it and said, what? You're going to trade it? You're going to trade him? Why are you doing this? Why are you making the new chief baseball officer do this in his first week on the job? This sucks. Oh, I hate this. Everybody hated that. 
There was not one person that was like, good job, way to trade. Good job trading Mookie Betts, Red Sox. Everyone blamed it on, on Bloom. It wasn't his fault. That was an order. It was an order given down from ownership. If Theo's there now, he'd be like, hey, maybe we shouldn't trade Mookie Betts, guys. <laughs> you know, there weren't people in the room saying that to John Henry in 2019. Hey, John, how about we don't trade this guy? Like, maybe maybe they don't have the same kind of influence that that Theo does, I guess. I mean, it's got to be something like that, right? You can't tell me there weren't people in the room at the Red Sox saying, hey, let's let's go after Shohei Otani. Think about it. Think about what a big uh, boom that would be for us. Think about it. The fans would come back. It's going to cost a lot of money, but it's worth it. Any Theo Epstein to tell you that spending on Mookie Betts and Joey Otani is worth it? How little are they paying attention to not just the Red Sox, but baseball in general, if that's the case? Like, do you even watch the sport? Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to be, like, right down there in Roto World every day seeing who's doing what, but you don't know Shoei Otani? You don't even spend on Mookie Betts? Like, what are you talking about? What are you doing? The fact that they are, are looking to someone like Theo Epstein to sort of reverse some of those decisions is just unbelievable to me. Uh, I want to hear more about this conspiracy theory. Ethan's back on the line. Ethan, was that, uh, was that the deep state cutting off your phone there as you got uh, into the conspiracy? Pure and honest, it was a joke. Been on hold, totally forgot the theory, just came back to me. You ready for this? Yes. All right, so everybody is paying attention, right? We're all aware that the Fenway Sports Group is eyeing to buy an NBA team, an expansion team, correct? Like, you've heard this. It's in the rumor mill. We're all I've, heard, I've heard rumors about that, I think, like last year, yeah. It's pretty cemented that LeBron James is looking to buy a team in Vegas. It's, mm-hmm. it's the writings on the wall. Everybody knows it, right? And obviously, being a partner of Fenway Sports Group, it just makes sense to keep it in the family. Okay. So hey, let's uh, go ahead and dump that. Ethan, thanks for the call, buddy, but uh, I'm going to have to let you go. Had to dump it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's deep in this conspiracy. So this is all just to get an NBA team. I think is where he's going with that, right? It's all to get an NBA team? It sounds like that's yeah, where he's going. Yeah, something like that. Um, fine. So they get an NBA team. Like, okay, <laughs> great. One, one more thing for them to pay attention to. That's not the Red Sox. Cool. Um, if I felt like they were going to leave it all to Theo, the Red Sox, they were just going to leave the Red Sox to Theo. It'd be like, great. That's a great outcome. Cause you can tell that they're not as invested. You can tell they don't care as much. You can tell the Red Sox are more of just like a bottom line item now. And listen, that's not the most unusual thing in the world either. I mean, there's a lot of ownership groups, a lot of team owners all over the country, all over the world that are mindful of the bottom line and more mindful of that than they are, you know, how much they're competing and how deep a playoff run they get into. The team make money? Yes, great. Uh, have you ever heard of the Jacobs family? Perhaps. <laughs> like, you know, it's not, it's not like it's even that uh, foreign to us here in our own backyard. Okay, you know, if you were alive in the 80s and 90s, then you remember what that was like. Bottom line business. And it is and it always will be. And sometimes you get an owner who doesn't care about that. The Red Sox ownership group didn't care about it. They cared about winning at first because there was an incentive there. You had a rabid fan base. Baseball was a lot different back then. It was a lot more popular. And you were going up against George freaking Steinbrenner who did not give a – he didn't care about spending at all. Go get Gary Sheffield. Go get A-Rod. Go get Giambi. Go get Raul Mondesi. Go get Clemens. Go get this guy. Go get everybody. And they did. <laughs> they went out and got everybody. 
And the only way they could knock down Steinbrenner was Theo Epstein. <laughs> I mean, really, that's the way. That's historically, that's historically accurate, what I'm saying. Theo Epstein beat Steinbrenner. But it was at a time where he had an ownership group that was spending, and he was going up against the biggest spender in the world, when it came to baseball anyway. And they beat him. And they just had to make history and go uh, being down 3-0 to do it. But they did it. <laughs> and that's that feels, it was 20 years ago, but it feels like it was like 50 years ago, doesn't it? The way this team spends now. The way this team goes about business now. I mean, you could have told me, you know, could have told me Joe Cronin was the was the GM back then. Not Theo Epstein. That's how long ago it feels. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Tom King, uh, the great Tom King of the Nashua Telegraph. Uh, we'll continue with uh, some Patriots thoughts as well, and uh, we'll do all that. We'll hear from uh, Tom King at 1230. That's coming up right after trending. Your fever is high, and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now, more of it. Sunday Mass with Christian Arcan on WEEI. Well, he's been in different types of offenses. That's the thing. You know, and if you want to go back, you look, of course, he was in Buffalo all those years ago um, as a younger coach. And then he was in Green Bay for a bunch of years under Mike McCarthy. And when he went to Cleveland, it was now you're going to be ingratiated into the Kubiak-Shanahan style of offense. That's what Kevin Stefanski is running there. And so, like, he brings a blend of a lot of different things. And, look, I know a lot of people were looking, this and say, looking at this and saying, get me Zach Robinson off of Sean McVay's staff. Get me Clint Kubiak off of Kyle Shanahan's staff. This guy brings the same offense with him. He has experience in the offense. He's been a coordinator in the offense, which neither Zach Robinson or, um, or Clint Kubiak have been. And the other part of it, you're probably not going to lose him after a year or two. Like, I don't think people are going to be knocking down Alex Van Pelt's door to become a head coach. So there's a better chance that this guy could be here for four, five, six years than if you hired one of the younger guys. That was Burt Breer talking about Alex Van Pelt and this rebuild. Patriots offseason. 
They're rebuilding the coaching staff. I hope they're rebuilding the offense. If they're not, it's going to be another long season, I'm afraid. Uh, but this is an important one here. This is the most important out of the coordinator jobs. If you didn't know that uh, Gerard Mayo was going to, or if you knew Gerard Mayo was going to be the head coach, I guess, and this could even be considered a more important hire than him. Your offensive coordinator. If it was a done deal that Mayo was going to be your head coach and you knew it wasn't going to be some offensive-minded guy, you know, some uh, some wonder kid from the McVeigh tree or the Shanahan tree or whatever it is, which even I'll admit has been getting, you know, it's getting so played out now talking about that. But that is what I wanted. I did want someone. It didn't have to be someone young, I guess, but, like, I wanted someone who was of that mind, who was part of the modern NFL, you know, modern NFL offenses. And I think that Stefanski is for sure. I don't know that Van Pelt is for all the things that he does, like a a modern day guy who's ready to call plays and he's got to be ready to call plays at this point. He's been in the league 30 years and hasn't called played yet, called plays yet. So this is his first crack at it. If this was like Zach Robinson or Nick Cayley, neither of whom I was wild about, but if it was either one of those guys calling plays for the first time, it would sound different from this guy calling plays for the first time. This guy who's been in the league a long time. This guy who was just an offensive coordinator not calling plays. Um, That does make me look at it a little bit skeptically. The fact that they interviewed so many people before him, and many of them either took other jobs or went back to their old jobs, uh, that raises a couple of flags as well. But one thing that I can't shake is that he was the offensive coordinator on that team, and they had all those quarterbacks, and it was a whole mess, and they somehow managed to win with Joe Flacco, and they made, played in the playoffs. That was a playoff team. Now, their offense over the course of the year was never really their strength, but just because they had a good defense, I don't think you can penalize the offense for that. Also, their quarterback got hurt. Nick Chubb got hurt. Uh, two pretty important guys right there. And they were cycling through, you know, some random names. <laughs> like, the fact that Joe Flacco is who they landed on and that he played well in the five games he was there for is kind of amazing. So while it's not the best resume, it does sort of, you know, like in, in total, you do look back at that last season and think, well, he did something right. He was getting through to those quarterbacks somehow. The only real skeptical way you can look at it is just say, well, maybe it was all just Stefanski. And he was just kind of there, and he was just sort of along for the ride, you know? Like, uh, maybe bad example, but like Biennemi in Kansas City all those years. Well, you knew it was Reed who was running the who was really running the offense and calling the plays. Biennemi's now gotten another job as an OC somewhere else, wasn't getting head coaching uh, opportunities, even with that great offense there in Kansas City. And I think the reason why is because everyone just assumed, well, it was Reed who's doing everything. Reed's doing it all. Is that kind of the case with Stefanski and Van Pelt, where people sort of saying, well, yeah, I mean, you know, the offense is surviving, but it's because they got Stefanski out there. He's calling the plays. He's an offensive head coach. That's the that's the main thing, which is kind of great because their defense was so good. The Browns' defense last year was amazing. At certain points in the year, I don't think it ended up this way, but at certain points in the year, they were on pace to be like an all-time great defense, which in 2024 is extra impressive the only reason I call it a man. I don't say those things very often. Ravens had a great defense this year, too. 
Um, doesn't matter once you have to play the Chiefs, but <laughs> that's that's the way it goes. Um, I'm a little surprised, I guess pleasantly surprised, but surprised nonetheless, that Josh McDaniels is not in the mix here. I was starting to think that that was going to happen. I was starting to think McDaniels will be, he will be back. Maybe not as the offensive coordinator, but as something. I kind of thought that he would be taking on this Ben McAdoo role. Now, Ben McAdoo, uh, the offensive coordinator with Tom Coughlin and the Giants, and his offenses with Coughlin were very good. When he got promoted, people thought this was going to be a sure shot, can't miss hire. They loved him in New York City. They loved him as the offensive coordinator. And when they made him the head coach, I think he won 10, 11 games that first year, whatever it was. They had their guy. Kind of sounds like Dayball, honestly, if you think about it. There's a little, little Dayball-esque, although Dayball was on another team. But it was in New York. Uh, you know, that's similar. And then that second year, that second year what really uh, upset people that McAdoo did is that he benched Eli Manning and ruined his streak of starts, which I could give a rat's ass about any of that, but they did not care for that up in the, or down in New York, I should say. There were a lot of angry calls on WFAN about when that happened. Uh, and he got fired. I don't even think he lasted the season. I think he was a, a 10 or 11 wins the first year, and he didn't make it through the second year, which, you know, <laughs> I don't think anybody was crying for him after that, and a lot of people made fun of his haircut. But uh, talk about a rise and fall. I mean, that happened very quickly. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. McAdoo coming here to be a assistant head coach to Gerard Mayo. Um, that's interesting, isn't it? McAdoo's 46, so not an old guy, but older than Mayo. Um. In the Joe Judge role, I guess. I thought this might be a role for Josh McDaniels. I thought this might be, and maybe they talked to him about it. But the one thing I was worried about if they decided to go with McDaniels, which they haven't, but if they did, I'd be a little worried that McDaniels would want to take over. It's one thing for him to be sort of, you know, second fiddle, the guy on the side with uh, Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick's right-hand man. But would he subjugate himself that same way for Gerard Mayo? Right? Like, Mm, he was just a head coach. Seems like he's a little bit of a tyrant, you know? <laughs> but he couldn't challenge Bill Belichick like that because Bill Belichick actually was a tyrant. He was a big tyrant. McDaniels, little tyrant. <laughs> Bill, biggest tyrant in town. So, you know, you weren't gonna be you weren't gonna be overstepping into that. Josh McDaniels with Mayo, I could see a lot of overstepping happen in, in that situation. I wonder if that would happen with McAdoo. I guess we'll see. McAdoo's been, I think he was with Carolina, I want to say. Was he their Panthers offensive coordinator? Yeah, he was the Panthers offensive coordinator in 2022. After he was fired from the Giants, he was uh, out of football for three years, became a quarterback's coach in Jacksonville, a consultant with the Cowboys, and was the Panthers offensive coordinator in 2022. I guess last year he wasn't doing anything. Um, But he's free, and now he's a paid, well, we don't know yet, but it looks like he's going to be talking with the Patriots and close to a deal as an assistant with the Patriots. So there you go. There's your there's your coaching staff. Covington, um, the special teams coordinator whose name escapes me once again, Jeremy Springer, Alex Van Pelt, and now it looks like 
Ben McAdoo. How's that grab you, Pats fans? <laughs> is, that the, is that the brain trust you were hoping for? I'll tell you what, it's not who I was expecting. And I don't want to say I hate it because I don't feel, I'm not, I have that strong of feelings about it. Like Andy Hart hated the Alex Van Pelt hiring. We left on Thursday night, whenever it was that they announced it, and Andy Hart came in here. He was like, he was shot out of a cannon. I, I'd never seen someone that mad. I've never seen him, I've never heard him that mad before. And he was just ripping into Van Pelt, ripping into the process, uh, really going after him. And as much as I'd love to have that kind of passion for this topic, I'm just I'm not quite there with Van Pelt. I don't know. I I don't think that what he did last year was uh, something to be upset about. If he could, ta- here's why: he took a bad situation and made it okay. It's a bad situation here <laughs> in Cleveland. That was a bad situation. You lost your quarterback. You lost Nick Chubb. You had all these guys out. It was a it was a rough time. It was rough sailing out there. And Alex Van Pelt was able to not fix it, but he was able to manage it, navigate it. You might have to navigate a bad situation here in New England. I hate to break it to you. You know, it's very rare that you go from four wins to turning all that around in one season. It happens sometimes, but it's not not often. It's a lot more of those teams that continue to suck than there are uh, suddenly turn it around like the like the Texans did. And even the Texans, I mean, come on. Not a good showing for them in the playoffs. C.J. Stroud looked terrified out there. Uh, so I don't know. Not that I, not that I'm worried about them, but I, you like to see a guy like that perform a little bit in the postseason. You know, with that great regular season that he had, C.J. Stroud in the playoffs, oof, yuck. Uh, Tom King is going to join the show here in just a moment, but before we get to him, let's go to Bobby in Cambridge. Go ahead, Bobby. Hey, how you gentlemen doing this afternoon? How you doing, Bobby? Uh, I'm okay, thank you. Uh, old school, and always start with the line, you know, in football mm-hmm. and everything. But uh, and I'm probably going to contradict myself because number one, uh, if they get that third pick, and just at the beginning of the year, and I didn't know much about him, but that kid, the quarterback for North Carolina, May, and my my middle son's happened to be down there. I mean that that kid could be a gem. I personally, you know, they may end up somewhere else, but I do not think Mac Jones or, or Zappy is going to be the quarterback of the future for this team. I think this kid's got in, you know, it, it, I think this kid's got incredible potential. I'll never say that, you know, like uh, he should be there, but uh, watching him play, I got to see him a couple times. I, I'd love to see him get him. But the thing that worries me the most is, like I said, I go back to like Dante Sinecchia, what he did yep. with Soldier and Cannon and those guys to turn them around. So I'm hoping this guy can come in. If Dave Andrews leaves, this is going to be a bigger, bigger problem than anything because. Even Ramon Stevenson last year couldn't get that opening hole to get some yardage and stuff. Every running back, no matter how good you are, needs that opening burst. Sure. We do not have – listen to me like we, like I play for the team. But <laughs> they do not have they, – they do not have – there's tight ends that do not block. I mean, certainly you're not going to get somebody on a Gorkowski's level or whatever. No. But you need somebody who can give it up and block. But to me, I, and I hate using this word, I'm not a pro player, but, you know, Trent Brown, no way. Uh, yeah, you're not going to see Brown. Bobby, i got to let you go. Sorry, i got uh, Tom King waiting here on the line. But, yeah, he's gone. On when he's probably gone, you're going to have to do some work on that O-line, no question about it. And even last year, I mean, you could say the guard situation was okay. When on when he was inside, Andrews was inside. They both played most of the year. Cole Strange had a tough year, but they couldn't run the ball. You're right about that. That was a down year for Ramondre Stevenson. That was that was tough to see. I thought he'd be one of the lone, you know, bright spots of the season, and even he couldn't do anything. Um you know, he got outplayed by Zeke Elliott. 
617-779-7937 is the phone number. And joining us now, a guest who's even older than that last caller. I'm talking, of course, about the great Tom King of the Nashua Telegraph, who joins us right now on the Harbor One Hotline. Tom, how you doing? I am an excited excited member of your congregation, <laughs> Reverend Arcand. Good. Glad to hear that. Um, good to uh, talk with you, Tom. Uh, since we last spoke, a lot's happened here with the coaching staff. So let's go ahead, first of all, since I know you have a specific expertise on this, being a big Giants fan, how excited are you to hear that Ben McAdoo is in talks to join the Patriots staff? That's why I'm excited. <laughs> That's why. Listen, they ought to take the suit that Ben McAdoo wore to his introductory press conference as Giants head coach and put it in Canton, put it in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was about four sizes too big <laughs> for a guy who's already big. It was unbelievable. I remember that. He looked incredible. like, do you remember how in like 04, uh, the NBA draft, all those guys wore those oversized suits? You remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what Ben McAdoo looked like. <laughs> you look like he got That's drafted in the NBA. Like in a suit, you know. I mean, I I, I can't remember the last time I wore a suit. I don't even think I have a suit anymore. But that's, I mean, Ben McAdoo. Ben uh, McAdoo. I mean, as an offensive consultant, maybe he he you know he's uh, a West Coast offensive type guy. Um, but uh, you know, just uh, I I don't I don't know how he went downhill so fast as the Giants head coach because his first year, as you talked about, his first year was a good one. You know, Tom Coughlin had like two or three straight six and ten seasons that they brought in McAdoo. Yeah. And he went ten and six. Um but he didn't really seem to have much control over the team. And Odell Beckham Jr. was on the team and he couldn't control him. And he benched and, Eli uh, and Eli should have played forever. Uh, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he took the uh, yeah, he took the owner's words too literally <laughs> and he benched Eli for Geno Smith and stopped the consecutive streak and it got him fired. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I mean, you know, I think the last time I was on you know, my memory isn't what it used to be, but I do remember telling you I think that if, you know, with Gerard Mayo, they need to get him an experienced guy on the sidelines with him to help him uh, during, you know, just get the feel of, of being a head coach. Get a head coach, a guy who's been a head coach, to give you the feel of a head coach. And I thought that and Ben McAdoo isn't the kind of guy I was thinking about. I was thinking maybe more about a guy like Ron Rivera mm-hmm. or Frank Reich. Guys that have done it, you know, maybe multiple times in the NFL and and could really relay some of their wisdom. I, I think that staff right now that we're talking about with the Patriots still lacks that. Um, and I wouldn't, I still wouldn't be surprised to see them add somebody else besides McAdoo. But if McAdoo's it, I'm like, oh, boy. What do you think of the uh, uh, Van Pelt hiring? I thought it was a good one. I mean, first of all. Wasn't their first choice. N- well, we don't know that for sure. But, but well, They interviewed the about 14 was, people before they got to him, so I mean. Well, the thing was is nobody knew he was being interviewed, right? That, was, that to me, told me something. Mm. You know, he, his name came out of nowhere. Um, but the one thing that you like about it is he's, he's a quarterback guy. You know, he's worked with quarterbacks. I mean, look, if you're your offensive coordinator, you want him to be able to work with quarterbacks. Yep. And that's what he does. I mean, I think he would have called the plays in Cleveland if, you know, Stefanski wasn't such a, you know, hired on his offensive prowess, and that's why they, the Browns brought him in. And, and 
And, and that's, you know, he had done such a great job in Minnesota when he was there. Stavansky was. So Stavansky was going to call the place. But I, I think that Van Pelt will be fine. You know, I, the thing is, is what quarterback is he going to work with? You know, uh, who's is he going to work with a young quarterback? Is he going to work with a veteran quarterback that they bring in? That's the next question. I, and you're talking about what they're going to do in the draft and everything else. I think we'll have a better idea of what the Patriots are going to do in the draft when we see what they do in free agency, right? Yeah. So let's see, let's see who they go after in free agency and, and the kind of money they spend. Uh, and I'm specifically thinking, I know everybody's thinking quarterback, but I'm specifically thinking about what they do with the offensive line because they need to show that o- At third overall? Uh, you know what? We'll see what they do. Now, say they go out and spend money on the offensive line of free agency. They won't draft a. They won't draft anybody. Right. Uh, the only problem know, is the all the free line. agents are their guys. <laughs> it's, it's Brown yeah, and on when, Those well, are the two main the, guys. When is the only one? Yeah. When is the one you want to keep? I think, but they're not going to do that. So, uh, you know that uh, that tackle from Notre Dame is supposedly cannot miss. Can't miss tackle. Mm-hmm. A left tackle that you're going to have for ten years or whatever. So if that's true, and I already had the quarterback, then you're thinking, okay, Marvin Harrison Jr. or the left tackle. Um, but if you don't have the quarterback, you don't get one in free agency. Uh, you're gonna they'll draft one, but they sure as heck better put something around a rookie quarterback. Depending on if unless they bring in another veteran, they maybe start for a year or two, or a year as a placeholder. Do you think any of these QBs could be the type of one man show that could, you know, I mean like CJ Stroud had Nico Collins, who wasn't anything special. Like he turned it around himself. Is there any of these quarterbacks? Do you think could elevate a team like the Patriots? You know, that's, that's the, that's the question. I, I, I can't tell you that, you know, I, I think McDaniels McDaniels is a little under, uh, I think, you know, the the kid from LSU is a little undersized. I, I think he's undersized and he's, He's got to he's got to grow a little bit more. He's going to get bigger. Um, I, I think he's you know he's a he's an injury waiting to happen in the pros in terms of getting hit and leveled and and he's skinny and I think he's got to get hit some bulk. Um, the other guys, look, you you don't know. Williams, a little guy up. too. Williams, six two. He's not a, he's not a big guy. No, he's not tall, but he's got a little bit more more girth to him. Yeah. So you know that that's, but it's. You know, we'll see. The funny thing that you watch between now and April is how these guys go up and down the ladder in terms of being rated, right? Uh, All of a sudden, somebody's stock is going to fall. Somebody's stock is going to rise. And then teams are going to go out there and invest so much in a quarterback and like the the Panthers did in Bryce Young and – Bryce Young doesn't look like he's the answer. Nope. And they go, oops, the only team I've ever seen survive that is a team that's playing in the Super Bowl, right, you know, next week. Because they drafted a guy, the last pick in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, and he's going to be quarterbacking the Super Bowl. You can't make that up. Nope. That's a better story almost than Tom Brady. And they also put a huge uh, trade package together for uh, Trey Lance, and he's a cowboy right. now. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Didn't hurt him at no, all. That's the thing. They survived that. Yeah. How does that happen? 
in today's NFL, that would cripple a franchise for 10 years unless you're able to uh, adeptly draft elsewhere and sign good free agents and make a trade for a guy like McCaffrey. Yeah. So they, I mean, what John Lynch has done with San Francisco, I don't, I don't think he gets enough credit. You he know, gets, he gets a lot of credit. I think. No, I don't know. I don't know. Everybody thinks it's it's the coach. I don't think it is. I think it's. I think Lynch is the guy who's made a lot of those choices, and and uh, you know, I I just don't understand how you're able to escape all that, but they somehow did it. Patriots don't have enough to be able to escape a major mistake like that. So believe me, they are. And and as far as who's going to be picking. The quarterback, I think, you know, Josh Mayo's, I mean, Gerard, Gerard Mayo's going to be the guy who's going to make, you know, they're not going to get somebody that he's not going to like. Right. They're not going to do that. So I think Elliot Wolf is going to be one of the guys who's going to be the mainstay in terms of running the, running the show. It's after the draft that we'll wait and see how that front office evolves. It's after the draft. They can't do anything now because all these guys are the ones doing the scouting, doing the, right. doing you know the 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 research, doing all the legwork that they've done for the last few months. They're just not going to to leave, you know kick them out and say okay somebody else take it over. Yeah, that's but that's what's scary about it. It's the most important draft right. in the franchise, and you don't even know <laughs> it's not going to shake out until months later. What what actually the power structure is going to be like? That's terrifying. Yeah. Even if you brought in a GM from the outside, he would have had to keep most of the staff there in yeah, place. That's true. You know, so that's that's because you just can't get rid of all those. And then, then it's after the draft. That's when Belichick came in. And I don't buy the assertion that Bill didn't have all the power until after, what, his third Super Bowl? Yeah, 04, uh, that's what it said. And, uh, no, no, Wickersham. Bill Belichick was the one. They didn't bring anybody in that Bill Belichick didn't want. Believe me. So uh, you know, I I was I covered those teams and and was there. He, he he those are those were his guys. You know, and and you know, it was no no coincidence that after the draft, you know, the uh, the front office was completely overhauled. Yeah, but didn't happen until after the draft when Belichick was there. All right, real quick, Tom, right. before we let you go, uh, pick for next week. Who do you like? I like the Forty ers I no really way. do. I wish I was picking against yeah, yeah. you again. I'd fade you somewhere. <laughs> I'd whip your young behind. No. <laughs> you like the and Niners, the really? You're picking against Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, I am. Right. Yep, I picked against him twice now. And I've lost. I've yeah, how's that going for you? <laughs> yeah, I hope the third time's going to be the charm. I mean, yeah. I just like I just like the 49ers' makeup. I like them defensively. I think they can get after Mahomes and and. Uh, uh, up front, and and I think they have an edge over that Chiefs offensive line right now, especially if Tooney's not playing. I don't know what his status is going to be. True. So, you know, I, I really like that. But I know one thing. Whenever I leave the senior center, I'm going to take out a full-page ad and say, you cheered me on during the scooter races. You gave me great tapioca. You know, I really loved it there. Beautiful. So, um, yeah. All right. I'll. Uh, well, you could do it right in the National Telegraph if you really wanted to there. Exactly, I yeah. will. <laughs> Very good. All right, that's Tom King. Uh, thanks so much, Tom. Appreciate the time. Thanks for having me, Christian. All right, uh, you can follow Tom King on Twitter at Telegraph underscore Tom K. 
because uh, he doesn't know how to set up a Twitter account. <laughs> so there you go. It's Tom King again of the Nashua Telegraph. Uh, real quick, we'll take a quick break, uh, come back and wrap things up next here on Boston Sports Original, WEEI. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. This is Sunday Mass on WEEI with Christian Arcand. Couple of minutes left here on Sunday Mass. Reverend Arkan with you, and then I'll be passing it off to uh, my boys there, Mike Cadlick and John Lyons, who will have you from 1 to 4. Then it's KJ from 4 to 6. We're not carrying the Pro Bowl flag football game. Sorry. Sorry, football fans. If you had action on it, you're going to have to just watch it on TV like the other 10 people who care about that thing. Um, real quick, before I uh, before I sign off here, you know, I, I joke about this being Sunday Mass, but there is a real gospel that gets dropped every Sunday, and that's Mike Reese's Quick Hits page um, where uh, on ESPN where he just uh, gives you a couple of things to think about and that he reports on. And it's not often like hard reports, but it's just, you know, things that he's got his eye on and some rumors and suggestions and things like that. And it's the gospel, basically. That's what I consider it. And uh, here's what Reese wrote about today. He wrote about this this morning. Quick hit thoughts and notes around the Patriots in the NFL. Number one, Kendrick Bourne status. Wide receiver Kendrick Bourne on his way to a career year. He's ahead of schedule in his rehab and has a physical therapist living with him in Portland, Oregon to aid in his recovery. Said he projects to be ready for the 2024 season opener. And then they talk about uh, strengthening his quadriceps and his legs. The physical therapy that he's doing. He's in great shape, he says. A big time uh, endorsement there of uh, Kendrick Bourne. Number two, Wolf's presence, or as Mega would say, Wolf's presence. 
The Patriots haven't named a general manager, writes Reese, since parting ways last month with Bill Belichick. While a strong contingent of the Patriots personnel staff was on the road last week, excuse me, um, at the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl, director of scouting Elliott Wolf remained at Gillette. Sources said he was directly involved in the interview process with first-year head coach Gerard Mayo, which seems to indicate how Wolf's responsibilities are evolving into more of those normally associated with a general manager. Hmm. Uh, number three, Patriots equal Packers. Wolf is the son of Pro Football Hall of Fame executive Ron Wolf and came up through the Packers personnel ranks from 04 to 2017, at one point elevating to director of player personnel. His ascendance in New England highlights from this viewpoint how the Patriots are shifting towards more of a Packer-based structure, which places a greater emphasis on the new ev- evaluations of the personnel department than a head coach with final say. The Packers' past two drafts have been especially strong. Hmm. Hmm. So they're doing things more like the Packers. With uh, Elliot Wolf, son of Ron Wolf, ushering that in. Interesting. There is a whole section about Gerard Cherry, who I did not know this, but is a uh, radio reporter for the Cleveland Browns radio network in ESPN Cleveland. And he had some things to say about uh, Alex Van Pelt. I'm going to skip over those and get to this part, which is number five, Doughboy. I enjoyed this. When Van Pelt was playing quarterback for the Buffalo Bills from 1994 to 2003, I remember him on those Bills team, he kept a Pillsbury Doughboy doll in his locker. A playful acknowledgement of not having the most chiseled physique. Those who have worked with him say the self-deprecating gesture reflects someone who doesn't take himself too seriously and is a big believer in team and staff-wide chemistry. I like that. I appreciate that. I appreciate a fat quarterback, first of all. I, uh, I'm i a bit Mike Cadlick right in the back. Speaking of <laughs> chubby quarterbacks. <laughs> um, but not, who, was the, who was the hefty lefty? What was that guy's name? Jared Lorenzen, is that, is that what he said? Jared Lorenzen. Guy was my favorite quarterback of all time. Rest in power, by the way, to the hefty lefty. Um, but I, uh, I, do like a, I do like a fat quarterback. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, the Patriots drafted one, uh, Rohan Davey. Remember from LSU? That was a big, fat quarterback. He was a big, hefty guy. Um, and Michigan had a quarterback who was a big, fat quarterback, too. He wore he didn't even wear, like, a quarterback number. He wore, like, 98, <laughs> which maybe that made him look fatter than he actually was. I'm not sure. But uh, he had the Pillsbury Doughboy in his locker, and he's really into team and staff-wide chemistry. I'll tell you what. I was thinking that, you know, Josh McDaniels might be back. That doesn't sound like Josh McDaniels to me. That sounds like something different from Josh McDaniels. Is this exactly what I want in an offensive coordinator, someone who's super humble and, you know, uh, making fun of himself and all that? I don't know. I mean, I don't really care. Mike McDaniels kind of like that. He's pretty self-deprecating, and it's working out okay with him over there in uh, Miami. Not perfect, but offensively they're doing okay. Can that work here? Sure. Especially if you got some rookie quarterback with a big ego. You know, maybe it'd be good to have someone he's not going to be constantly butting heads with, which is probably what you'd be getting uh, with Josh McDaniels. Anyway, that's all the time I have here today. Uh, I want to say thanks to uh, Joseph. Great job behind the glass, especially on that Henry Rollins thing. A plus. Thanks, Arkin. And uh, Sean McAdam, Tom King, thank them for joining me as well. Coming up next, once again, Mike Cadlick and John Lyons will have you from 1 until 4 o'clock. Then it's KJ from 4 until 6. I'm the Reverend Arkin. I'm out of here. You can tune, hear more of me if you tune in 2 to 6 right here on these airwaves. Jones and Mego with me, Arkin. I'll talk to you on Monday. Goodbye. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.